Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week. Since September, we've been bringing you stories of people sharing the role money plays in their lives in South Florida. We call them financial statements, stories of money and the price of life in South Florida. Then a pandemic hit and large parts of the economy shut down in the course of just a few days. Other parts slowed to a crawl. Tens of thousands of people lost jobs. Many more saw their hours or pay cut. Chengo may have been one of the first people in South Florida to experience the impact of the virus. He grew up near Wuhan, China, where the virus started. His parents and grandmother still live close to the city. He's an economics instructor at FIU. When we spoke with him from his Weston home in late February, his family in China had been living in a lockdown region for a month. Since like January uh, 22, 23rd, uh, my parents have been quarantined in their apartment. Guo's early personal experience and his economic training helped him foresee what would be in store for South Florida as the virus made its way here. My name is Shen Guo. I am an uh, instructor of economics at uh, Florida International U- University. And I grew up in uh, Yincheng, China, which is a small city 45 miles from Wuhan, Hubei province. My parents are still living there, uh, as well as my uh, grandma, and I have relatives and friends uh, living there. Usually I would uh, communicate with them uh, in my bedroom or in my home office at my home uh, in Western Florida. It made my heart heavy to say the least. You know, sometimes it's very depressing because then the news can become so scary that I, I don't want to monitor it anymore. But because of them, I have to stick with it. In the very beginning of the outbreak, the best uh, public policy is to contain the outbreak. And that is also the best economic policy because you want to contain it as soon as possible so everything can get back to normal. But in the medium and the long run, the best public policy, which is a quarantine, may not be the best economic policy and that will cause a problem for the economy. This kind of fear, this kind of having to deal with the unknown factor of this new thing, that can make people scale back their decisions. My wife, she is a faculty member in a business school of Florida International University. She specializes in healthcare economics. My wife and I 
We talk about it every day. I hope it can end some days because this is not something good for us to talk about. I hope it can end. FIU economics instructor Sheng Go. He lives in Weston. We first spoke with him in late February. Since then, he says his parents near Wuhan are almost back to a new normal, wearing masks and getting their temperatures checked in public. He had been talking with them every couple of days when they were ordered to stay home. He doesn't speak with them nearly as often anymore. It's now their time to worry about us, he says. The first signs of trouble in our economy started in the travel industry with conventions and conferences postponing before eventually canceling those events. Six employees of Deidre Avede's conference management company called COTC Events in Dania Beach were among the first economic casualties of the virus. They made up half her staff and were laid off the first week in March. For sure, for sure, it has been day to day and it's been stunning how fast things have changed. We spoke with Ava Day a week after her first round of layoffs as the breadth of the shutdown and depth of the economic consequences were still in the early stages. I'm Deidre Ava Day and my company is COTC Events and we are purely a corporate event company. We deal with Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 clients that are bringing their groups down to Miami. We were probably looking at our best year that we've had since we've been in business. Last year, 2019, was our top year to date. And this year coming up in 2020, we had some very, very large programs on the books. So we were putting a lot of money into reinvesting in our um, CRM systems. We were bringing in some new marketing, some new SEO situations. We had hired two new people to help us to manage that volume. And we were reinvesting in our education and our training for our team. We're really excited about what we are looking at moving forward. We really are very seasonal in South Florida and our business is very seasonal. So high season is really January through May. And we really need to be on top of that business because like squirrels, what we put away then is what we need to live on through the summer. On February 24th, we had our first call of a really large piece of business, almost a half million dollars, that was about three weeks away. And they canceled over their fears and concerns of coronavirus and people being worried about traveling in. When a program of that size is only three weeks out, what we have done on behalf of our clients is signed 20, 30 contracts with all of the local vendors that are supplying services for that program. So that's catering, it's the lighting company, flowers, linens, the transportation, and a tremendous number of independent staff that work at an at-call basis. We probably had 30 or 40 people on that one job alone. And by taking that job, they'd turned down other business. And now, you know, they were really relying and counting on this. After that big program canceled, we met with the whole team and we said, let's start as a group 
kind of knuckling down on our expenses. Let's really watch our overtime. Let's stop using the American Express and start using the Visa card for revolving credit. And let's look at some things in our office that we've been buying and doing and just really not thinking about it because we were we were rolling and money was coming in and we were going to have our best year ever. And within a week, we had to go from, okay, let's not do overtime. A week later, we were cutting hours across the whole entire team. That wasn't as happy of a meeting, but it got worse because now, less than a week later, we actually had to move into actual layoffs within our organization. It's been hard to keep up with and hard to really manage, and it's really been devastating to the whole team. The cascade of cancellations from February 24th to now adds up to about $3 million. I've been through a lot of ups and downs. Um, I've been through the stock market crash. I've been through the dot-com crash. That's how old I am. Um, 9-11, certainly the devastation of the 08-09 stock market. And business comes back and meetings come back and people need to get together. They need to celebrate, they need to collaborate, they need to communicate, and that cannot be done in any other way except face-to-face. So it will come back. Things pass. That's my words of wisdom from someone who's been in the business for a long time. Things pass and we wish all luck to everyone who's involved and everyone who's being affected in our region and our industry has an opportunity to kind of come together right now and support each other. Deidre Avaday owns COTC Events, a conference management firm. When she spoke with us in mid-March, she was still hopeful the shutdown would just delay business until later this year. She does not think that now. It's hard to imagine what a conference looks like now with all the health protocols and social distancing, she says. Her company received a loan from the Paycheck Protection Program and an economic injury disaster loan from the Small Business Administration. She has not spent the money yet, though, All her employees remain furloughed. Still to come, how a dentist and a Pilates instructor deal with the economic changes of their businesses because of COVID-19. My biggest expense is my my overhead in my office, my staff salaries, really. I'm going to run out of savings if this continues. We're back on the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. Today, financial statements, stories of money and the price of life in South Florida. Almost every Monday since September, we've featured the stories people from all walks of life have shared with us, stories of prosperity and hardship. And like all of our lives, those stories have been impacted by COVID-19. Jonathan Tuman is a dentist who does cosmetic work and works with special needs patients. 
His practice was shut down for a few weeks. He considers himself lucky, though, and thinks his business will change because of the virus. We first spoke with him in April. My name is uh, Jonathan Tuman. I'm a dentist. We live in Aventura. My office is over in uh, Bay Harbor Island. Been practicing for 30 years. Been living in South Florida for about 47 years. This is where we call home and I make my living. So I practiced general dentistry for a number of years. I had absolutely no uh, desire or, or thought about getting involved in special needs. Things just kind of happen. You, you know, there, there are just some certain things in life you can't plan. I kind of have two practices in one, a obviously special needs practice, and I also have a general dental practice. On that side of the house, uh, it's always been a sell. You know, you're always trying to sell uh, procedures, services, cosmetics, braces, bleachings, whatever. It was not difficult. The finance situation of people was very different for cosmetic uh, procedures. Anything that had a little, you know, vanity in it was easy to do. My special needs patients, I really didn't have to sell. You know, I was able to just go ahead, formulate a treatment plan, submit it to the state. They approved it and I did the work. I have no mortgage. I'm driving my 2010 Honda Pilot. My personal overhead is very low. My biggest expense is my, my overhead in my office. My staff salaries, really. I did furlough my office manager because she's on, she's actually the only one who's on salary. Her job is in place. Uh, her healthcare benefits are still in place. I'm still paying for that. All my other girls are hourly. I am paying them in the meantime. However, I can tell you that there's going to be a big change in, um, in salaries and the way I do business because I have to. It's not because I want to be mean. It's because I need to, you know, stay solvent. It's as simple as that. On the private side of my business, I don't think patients are going to have the disposable kind of money to go ahead and do those cosmetic cases that they wanted to do. Maybe veneer cases or maybe, you know, uh, Invisalign clear braces. They may say, gee, you know what, I'm going to hold off because that, that treatment was going to be, you know, $5,000, $8,000. And right now I could use that money to funnel to something else. That's one thing that will definitely affect my business. The other thing is that on, on my special needs side is that many of my patients require hospital treatment. Um, and so I don't know now what the protocol is going to be at, at the hospital for allowing me to do cases there because they're really not emergent cases. They're really elective cases. So that, that's going to have an impact on my income. I think it's going to mean we're going to do less vacations. 
we love to travel and that's gonna take a back seat for now until things you know get rolling again and you know is it the end of the world it certainly isn't i think this downtime for many people is a good time to reflect uh, on the fact that you really don't need all these material things to keep you occupied and to you know live your life Dentist Jonathan Tuman. He is back seeing patients in his general practice, but with a lot of changes. I look like a NASA astronaut when I'm working, he says. He has not brought back his dental hygienist yet. He's doing the teeth cleaning and dental work by hand to reduce the risk of someone's saliva becoming airborne. He's added two additional charges for patients, $50 for infection controls like personal protection equipment, and $70 for a COVID-19 rapid test that he requires for every patient. Susan Hamilton has adapted to the new reality of the virus. As a Pilates instructor, she had a studio in Miami Beach and made house calls before the pandemic. But the virus shut down that work. When we first spoke with her in late March, the local stay-at-home orders had been issued and she was worried about how to stay in business at all. My name is Susan Hamilton. I'm fast approaching the age of 65. I live on Miami Beach, and I am a Pilates instructor, comma, fitness instructor, sole proprietor of a studio. I relocated from Columbus, Ohio, um, 17 years ago. I wanted to move to Florida before I retired. I run my business a little differently than a lot of the um, well-known Pilates studios in town. It's approximately uh, $20 uh, to $60 an hour, depending on what type of class you would come in for. And if I would travel to your home, it would be additional 75 to 100, depending on the distance. I get by. I, I am collecting Social Security at this point. Well, I didn't close the studio until the city mandated it. So I am in investigating doing um, either a FaceTime video one-on-one -on -one with clients. Um, there's also a conferencing a video platform called Zoom that is becoming popular with um, fitness instructors. It has affected, it started, it, it began affecting me financially when people started dropping off. That means I'm going to run out of savings if this continues. Or I'm going to need to build my clientele online differently. Whether or not it's going to um, equal out financially, I, I'm leery to think it will. It's just all up in the air and I'm thinking maybe I don't need a studio at all anymore. And this becomes my new model. I don't know. <sighs> 
it's I'm trying to stay in the present and and not worry about what comes next. I'm looking into Medicare. I compared a policy here, a supplemental plan, with the same plan in Indianapolis, Indiana. And the plan here costs $236 versus $78. So, um, that's the cost you pay to live in the sunshine here. I have one credit card. Um, I unfortunately was diagnosed with breast cancer about seven years ago before, and I had insurance um, before the Affordable Care Act. And um, unfortunately, after trying to recover from what the insurance did not pay, I was left with about thirty to forty thousand dollars of debt that I couldn't get out from under and had to declare bankruptcy a few years ago um so I just have one little credit card and um that's almost a zero balance I am going to talk to my landlord um for my um Pilates studio uh, about what's happening uh, and to see if um, there's a possible, you know, reduction on rent. Um, the good thing is she's a, a part-time um, client of mine, so she understands my situation perfectly. Um, my landlord at my apartment, um, I have not spoken with her yet. Um, I can get by for a couple months. Um, but then I'll have no savings. So, I mean, it will, uh, and fortunately I have some, uh, a couple of really good friends, um, that will be there for me if I need it. Uh, is the future in Miami Beach, I think for my lifetime, That was Pilates instructor Susan Hamilton in late March. She has since transitioned her business to the Internet. She says she's busy hosting 20 to 25 sessions per week from her apartment. She's no longer renting a studio for her business and thinks with her lower expenses, her take-home pay is about the same. Still to come, the effect of closing the keys to visitors as the fish were biting. The last couple of weeks have been absolutely beautiful weather. There's no planes in the sky. There's birds are flying everywhere. Fish are swimming all over the place, but I wouldn't know because uh, I'm not out there fishing.
This is the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting WLRN. Today, we're sharing stories from people dealing with the economic consequences of COVID-19. There is no place in Florida that is as economically exposed to the public health measures taken in the fight against the coronavirus than the Florida Keys. Tourism dominates the Keys. About half of everyone who works in Monroe County works in tourism. It expects to welcome visitors back beginning June 1st, after closing to tourists and all non-essential visitors on March 22nd. We spoke with sport fishing guide Will Benson a week into the isolation. Captain Will Benson, and I'm a uh, fishing guide in the Florida Keys. So I grew up on the docks here in Sugarloaf Key, Florida, cleaning boats, kind of idolizing fishing guides, and was doing that as a teenager. Uh, I got my captain's license at 19, and I've been doing it for 20 years now, 20 plus years, uh, taking people flats fishing in the Florida Keys. And what it's meant for me is we have a, a wonderful house. I have a beautiful family here on Sugarloaf. We get to go out to the beach on the weekends. Uh, and I have a, a clientele that I've built up over 20 years that are some of my best friends, almost extended family, if you will, uh, that come down and see me every year and go fishing. And it's provided the best lifestyle I could have ever imagined for. It's my dream job, frankly. You know, whether those little bank questions that you have to fill out, you know, what's your dream job? Well, mine's a fishing guide, and that's I've been lucky enough to do that my entire life. I have uh, one boat myself, and I'm my own employer. If I put myself on payroll, and that's my little company. My boat is 17 and a half feet long. It's about six feet wide, a 90 horsepower engine. It goes 40 miles an hour and floats in six inches of water. It's designed to be a stealthy uh, little craft that we quietly stock the fish in shallow water. I work from Marathon to the Marquesas, which are you know, 20 miles west of Key West. The last couple of weeks have been absolutely beautiful weather. There's no planes in the sky. There's birds are flying everywhere. Fish are swimming all over the place, but I wouldn't know because uh, I'm not out there fishing. Completely overnight, uh, my entire business and my entire season came to a complete stop and for the foreseeable future, I don't know when I'm going back to work. The next charter I have on my calendar is supposed to be, um, you know, this Monday, but that's been canceled. Um, the following week's been canceled. There's some talk of the end of April, uh, some guys that live down in the Keys being able to get together uh, and go fishing. So that's in a month from now. Likely, you know, if this coronavirus outbreak continues and the Keys remains closed to tourism, we're going to lose our entire tarpon season. Our bread and butter for the whole year is the spring from March until July. And that's when we all make our money. And it's looking more and more so like that's just going to be, 
you know, up and gone. Well, right now we're just taking it day by day. Uh, I've whacked the boat. I've cleaned everything that I can clean. All the rods are completely rigged, ready to go. Flies are tied. And now we're just, you know, on to home improvement projects. And we're going to continue to kind of, you know, whittle along like that. And at some point, if the business doesn't return and I can't go back to fishing, yeah, the reality is, is that, you know, I'll have to pick up, you know, another trade or do something in the meantime to survive through the season. I'm thinking about, you know, picking up the voltmeter or a hammer and going back to work doing construction that I used to do because that's probably what it's going to take to survive through this year. There's not any guarantee that after this, that the tourism industry in general is going to return. I mean, who's going to want to be traveling? Everybody's just lost money. Everybody's trying to get back to normal. And nobody's thinking about, oh, we, we're going to go on a vacation. You know, so the, the Keys is in a very tenuous spot, I think, because of our reliance on a tourism economy. Um, it's going to take us a long time to rebound from this. That's my thought. I think nature's getting a chance to kind of take a little breather right now. Uh, you can almost feel it down here. You know, the, there's not as many. It's like during, a, you know, before a hurricane or something like that. You know, every all the critters come out. You can just kind of feel that here. And maybe our fishery gets a little bit of a reprieve. You know, the coral reef can, you know, not have that many visitors for just a little bit of time, you know. And maybe that'll help, uh, you know, help us in the long run. You know, there's silver linings in all of this, and you just have to kind of, you know, look and see those and focus on those. And ultimately, we're going to get through it. Um, but I think the world's going to look a whole lot different, and we're all going to be kind of adjusting to a new reality. And I hope that, you know, my business can continue next year, but there's no guarantee. You know, we might, you know, we might be in a situation where, you know, going back to fishing just doesn't make much sense uh, for my family. I hope not. You know, we've had a, a decent, you know, fall and uh, winter, but we just took a trip to a family vacation. The first real big family vacation we ever took this Christmas was to go see my wife's family in Australia. So we did spend a little bit too much money. However, we did just get our uh, financial um, money from the from Irma, so we just settled with with our insurance agent literally a month ago uh, with Irma. So we have a little bit of that Irma cash that we can now use for coronavirus. It's it's very it's it's like you know it's one disaster to the next. So, but that might be kind of the new reality for a lot of us small business owners who are taking a lot of risk being out there, um, you know, experiencing these kind of events. We're going to have to, you know, get used to it, prepare for it, start putting things away and start understanding that at any moment we may be 
need to walk away from our business for a month or two months at a time as we experience things like this. You know, be it maybe there's a terrorism thing, maybe it's a virus, maybe it's a hurricane, maybe it's some other sort of interruption to our global economy, which, you know, affects my tourism based industry. When you're usually fishing, you know, you're pulling up to the marina. There's, you know, two or three guides sipping coffee on the dock waiting for clients. Trucks are, you know, filing in and parking one after another in the parking lot. You know, there's there's crew members running around getting the big charter boats going. The business operations are humming and everybody's kind of, you know, bantering back and forth in this jovial, you know, poking fun kind of way. Clients coming in. It is eerily quiet. It, 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 the, the thing that it reminds me of is the 48 hours before Irma hit. That's what the Keys feels like right now. Businesses are shuttered. There's nobody on the docks. There's very little traffic movement because they've closed US-1 at this point. Uh, it's eerie. And it's, um, you know, from a business standpoint, you know, you can tell that things have ground to a complete and near standstill down here. There's not none of that's going on, you know. It's, this is a we're in uncharted territory. We don't know how to handle it, but you know we're gonna write the playbook as we go, and we'll get through it. We've been through other things like this before. Sport fishing guide Will Benson first spoke with us from his home in the Lower Keys back in March. His fishing calendar is beginning to fill back up, he says, but it is with some trepidation. Social distancing is the rule on the water, after all. He says wearing a mask is no problem since fishermen have worn facial coverings for years to protect against the sun. Still to come, a working college student struggles to stay afloat. It is rough. I do have to pay quite a few bills by myself. I don't live with my parents, but it is pretty touch and go every month, I won't lie. This is the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for supporting public radio. COVID-19 has interrupted life and the economy as we know it. Jobs have been lost or reduced. Businesses have been cut. Confidence has been hurt. And so many of life's milestone moments have been postponed or canceled. Charlie Nolan was in what she thought was going to be her last semester at Broward College before graduating with her bachelor's degree. She worked part-time on campus in a lab, but then on-campus classes were canceled and courses went online. My name is Charlie Nolan. I am 22. I live in Dana Beach, Florida, which is in southeastern Broward County, and I work as a chemistry lab technician for Broward College. I work 20 hours a week exactly as a part-time lab technician. I go in early in the mornings and I set up all of the labs that the students do. I'm also responsible for keeping the labs clean, sanitary, washing them down, resetting them in between labs, and making sure that the professors have everything they need. It's nothing too complicated, um, but it requires a lot of attention to detail and making sure that 
you know, I clean everything really, really thoroughly because we're working with a lot of pretty dangerous chemicals. Um, Broward College is switching to online learning, so there's no labs running, which means there's really no reason for me to go into work. I'm very lucky. My job is purely physical, so there's really nothing for me to do online. But my boss um, went to the dean of our department and really fought for me and my other part-time lab tech that we could get some work to do online so that we could continue getting paid. You know, it is not a high-paying job. I really would like at least 15 an hour. You know, the 15 seems to me is the livable wage. And I don't get that much. I don't get quite that much. It is rough. I do have to pay quite a few bills by myself. I don't live with my parents. Um, I get a little bit of help from my grandma and my father, so I'm able to live on my own, but it is pretty touch and go every month, I won't lie. I'd like to be able to do more things. I'm able to afford my bills. I'm able to eat well enough, but it really is tight, and I find myself most months, you know, dipping into my savings, putting money on my credit card and, you know, pushing it as far as I can go. Um, I wish I could get another job, but I'm a full-time student on top of working this job, and then I have a weekend job as well, so there's just really no time for me to work any more hours. I live with several people who are also workers and he's getting his hours cut at his job at a restaurant because they just said there's you know not enough people coming in and he also has to pay bills and survive on that money you know another worker in my house is freelance and she's not getting a lot of jobs it's really tough on all of us I'm the luckiest out of my household because I'm still going to get paid I don't know when I'm going to be able to go to work again, and I have no idea how long this work-at-home arrangement will last. As for online classes, I'm due to graduate in May. I am not in any student debt, um, which I'm very, very lucky. I'd like to stay in Florida. Maybe not South Florida. Rent is incredibly expensive down here. It's cheaper, much cheaper up north. But I really like Florida. I grew up here. My mother grew up here. Her mother grew up here. It's a beautiful state. I like the climate. I like the topography. I studied the ecosystems here. My degree is, you know, in environmental science, and I focused a lot on specifically, you know, native Florida flora and fauna. It makes sense for me to remain in the area that I am knowledgeable in, but if a job comes up in another area that I can afford and pays a little better, I wouldn't say no to leaving. Broward College student Charlie Nolan is back working in the science labs at Broward College, even though students have not returned. She sets up experiments for professors to record videos and live stream those labs. During the stay-at-home order, she got sick, but not with COVID-19. She missed a couple of exams for a course and did not graduate this spring as planned. She plans on retaking the course next spring when it's offered again. In the meantime, she's thinking about attending a pharmacy technician program.
Still to come, one couple experiencing the health threat and economic consequences of COVID-19. I treat COVID patients all the time. It affected our shop big time. He was out of work for a couple of weeks. We're back on the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Today, it's financial statements, stories of money and the price of life in South Florida. And those stories have changed a lot because of COVID-19. Nikki Mason and Joshua Berlingeri have experienced the public health dangers and economic consequences of the pandemic firsthand. She's a nurse treating coronavirus patients. He's a technician at a sign company that was initially furloughed when business disappeared. Joshua has a 10-year-old son with his first wife. He and Nikki have a two-and-a-half-year-old boy. Hi, my name is Nikki Mason. We live in Miramar on the border of Pembroke Pines in Florida, and I work as a registered nurse at one of the local hospitals in Fort Lauderdale. I'm 32. I'm Josh Jerry. I'm currently 34 years old, and I'm the head lead installer tech at a sign company. We have a son together, um, and we, I guess we're boyfriend and girlfriend. We'll get married at some point. <laughs> um, I normally work with stroke patients, patients with congestive heart failure. That floor is now the COVID floor. I treat COVID patients all the time. You know, I'm direct in the front line with known positive COVID patients. It's scary. No, it is, but I mean, she takes full precautions. So I have um, the N95 that I wear constantly um, with the surgical mask over that just to protect the N95. Um, I also have my hair cap, and then we have a face shield that we wear as well. So I have those on at all times while I'm working. Um, then when I go into the rooms, we also have um, the gowns that we put on as well as gloves, obviously. And many times I, I use two gloves or even three gloves, especially if I'm going to be around, um, you know, changing the patient, you know, and things like that where, you know, bodily fluids can come into the, the factor. And um, so we just take extra precautions there. It's a lot. It's extra. <laughs> but it's important. <laughs> On March 16th, um, it was a Monday, I had a patient. I had spent the whole day with him. Um, I actually remember him coughing on my arm and thinking to myself, well, at least he doesn't have COVID. And then the next morning, March 17th, um, I go to check his vitals and he has a fever. His heart rate is going up. His blood pressure is coming down. Um, he's visibly having respiratory issues. This gentleman was from a facility that was known around here to um, have patients positive for COVID. And Friday afternoon, I was preparing my lunch for the weekend, and um, one of the doctors at my work calls me and informs me that that patient had come back positive. Um, and for the safety of everybody else, that I had to stay quarantined for 14 days. I was at work. I was at the shop doing a huge install and she called me and told me and I, I was like, what? Like, are you serious? And she's like, no, I'm dead serious. So yeah, he came back positive for COVID and I'm in the house on quarantine. 
it was very emotional at first. Um, I know that that Wednesday I, I had a really hard time with it. Josh was actually still working and I was home by myself. The baby was in daycare. I had a breakdown and I just was physically ill from being so emotionally, you know, just terrified of what might happen, you know, th that this patient had it, that I may have gotten it, you know, that getting my family sick, my kids sick. Um, so it was, it was pretty rough. What if she does have it? How are we going to deal with this? You know, the baby and with our Riley and our oldest, like how are our plans going to change? How are the living arrangements going to be like, you know? It was definitely rough at first until we found out she came back negative, which was great. I was very blessed. I got very, very lucky. It came back negative, and then I went back to work on the 15th day after, after that. Finances, luckily, have not been um, an issue on, on my end. It affected our shop. Big time. He was out of work for a couple of weeks. Yeah. He had a rough time with it at first. You know, he's he likes to be financially, you know, do his part of 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 this, and I think that's what scared him the most was that he he wouldn't. We had to have, sit down and have conversation about, you know, hey, I have we have money in savings. We're you know we're going to be fine. Let's you know let's not stress it. There's enough to stress about. Don't stress it. You know, I, I can take on the, the the half of that. You know that you normally take on. I definitely built a lot of stuff on my time <laughs> off, that's for sure. Uh, I built uh, Jaden, our little baby, I built him like two uh, high stool chairs, like he washes hands. Uh, I built an outdoor table. Uh, I built uh, Nikki a, new, a brand new spice rack, you know, just trying to stay busy with everything. We moved into here in April 2019. Um, and we were kind of hoping then that this would be our last our last time leasing. Um, we did end up signing another lease um, for another year. Josh has some credit issues that we need to work out. Um, I finally got my credit back to where it needs to be after being young and stupid. Um, so you know, it's just little things like that of, of getting everything in order so that we can get the best you know the best deal when we do go to buy a house. So we're hoping that you know. By next year, at this time, you know, we'll be talking to you from a house we own. That was Nikki Mason and Joshua Berlingeri in Miramar. He was able to go back to work when his employer received a forgivable loan from the Paycheck Protection Program passed to help businesses keep workers on payroll. She was tested for COVID-19 antibodies recently. The test was negative. She continues treating patients with the virus. Don't forget you can follow us on all the social media platforms. Look for us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WLRN. We also have a podcast of this program. We have a podcast of this program and all of our past programs. You can find them by searching Sunshine Economy on your podcast platform. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Katie Lepre is our engagement editor. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening.